0: Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the Gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the Word of the Lord. Well good afternoon everyone, my name is Simon, I'm one of the ministers here and uh, it's my privilege to be sharing with you this afternoon. If you've got a Bible uh, on your phone or a paper one, please do turn to that passage and I just want to highlight a couple of thoughts from it. But before we tuck in, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence with us. We pray, Lord, that you would increase our awareness of you, deepen our experience of you, refresh our love for you, and teach us how to communicate with you better. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well over the last six weeks we've been in a series in the book of Ephesians and we come to the end of it this evening and the title for this series has been Blessings and Battles and uh, for several weeks we focused on this truth, this core reality of the Christian faith that God is not out to get us but God is out to bless us. God is not out to get us. He's out to bless us. And he's always working and willing and looking for a way to pour his goodness into our lives. However, we do have an enemy of our souls. The Bible calls him Satan, the evil one, the accuser. And he seeks to work against what God wants to do. And far from us experiencing the blessing of God, what he wants us to experience is an ongoing battle that diminishes us and robs us. And we've spent the last couple of weeks thinking about that battle. But in the battle, God gives us spiritual armour for our protection and he gives us spiritual arms with which to engage the enemy. In my Bible, I keep a piece of paper with a quote on it. It struck me when I read it a few years ago, and um, I've kept it in my Bible. And it's by a chap called James Dunning, who was one of the founders of the commandos in World War II. And he says this, Take the initiative. Carry the fight to the enemy with some forms of offensive action. Take the fight to the enemy. And Paul, here towards the end of Ephesians chapter 6, having detailed the nature and character of the battle, the spiritual battle that we find ourselves in, and having listed some of the armor for our protection, he then gives us two, as it were, armaments so we can take the fight to the enemy. The first of these, verse 17, and we looked at this last week, is the sword of the spirit. Not just for defensive, but for offensive action. This is God's word to us. The church believes it's the Holy Bible. It is the scriptures. And the heart of that is the gospel and the revelation of Jesus Christ and salvation by belief and trust in him. The sword of the spirit. And the second means for uh, weapon, means for standing, resisting, and then advancing in this warfare is prayer. And again, verse 18, he talks about prayer in the spirit. The sword of the spirit and prayer in the spirit. And here we see that the Holy Spirit joins us and works with us, and participates with us in this battle. He hadn't abandoned us. He's right there on our side. And through prayer, and through sharing the word, the good news of Jesus, the Spirit not simply holds back the enemy, but advances into his territory, and seeks to rescue people for God through Jesus, and bring blessing into their life. I'm gonna make a couple of points if I may. And the first is this from our passage that we pray because we may. We pray because we may. Four times in one sentence, verse 18, Paul mentions the word prayer. He says, pray in the spirit on all occasions. Pray all kinds of prayers. Keep on praying and pray also for me. Now, one of the most committed prayers that I know is my best chum, Mark Davies. And uh, I've mentioned him before. Mark served for five years in the Parachute Regiment, and then he served for 17 years with the British SAS, and then he's been involved in all sorts of things all around the world ever since. He's currently running security for, five, um, uh, for oil companies in five West African countries there in the thick of it. And he is a man of prayer. I asked him the other day as I was writing this, I said, why do you pray? Why do you pray? He says, I'm a soldier and I'm under orders and that's what we're told to do. And I thought, good, that's a very good reason. If God says it, it must be worth doing and that's something that we ought therefore to step into. However, that's not the best reason to pray. The best reason to pray is because we may. Not because we must, but because we can. And prayer is the most remarkable privilege and invitation that God, the Lord of the universe, has presented to us. Now when I hear the word prayer, often I have a kind of sinking feeling somewhere in my guts. I feel a certain pressure, and often the word that comes to mind when I hear the word prayer, so talk on prayer, is failure. I think, I, I mean, I'm, I've been a priest for 30 years, I'm meant to be like a professional prayer, but I'm rubbish at it, and I can actually fall asleep praying in any position. Kneeling, lying, walking, sitting. I just start praying and I fall asleep. And I often wake up with dribble that's gone into one of my ears. I can get distracted and I get self-focused. And I often feel a bit of a failure. But as I've been preparing this this week, I've just felt this stirring again in my guts. What an extraordinary privilege this is, that we have access to the throne of God. We have access to the very heart and mind and hand of the most powerful person in the universe. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I'm not really holy enough to pray. But in fact, that's exactly the reason why we should pray. Because proximity to God, which comes through prayer, brings about transformation. This is the most extraordinary gift that we are afforded. And when we read this mention of prayer repeatedly in Paul, that is an imperative, it is an encouragement, it is an exhortation. I want us to think about it in terms of an invitation. What an extraordinary thing that God says, Talk to me. Come and talk to me. Some of you know my hobby is horology. And for years when I was training to be a vicar, I also spent years at a watchmaker's bench. And I love all things horological. I love watches and clocks and I love things that go tick-tock. I don't like tick-tock. I like the original tick-tock. I just find it absolutely wonderful. My wife drives her insane. Recently, I visited uh, an independent watch shop where they've got watchmakers, and I I know them well. And one of them told me excitedly, he said, did you read about it? Her Majesty, the Queen Consort Camilla, came and opened up the new watch shop, the new workshop where they work on the watches. And he said, we've got a brass plaque. Come and have a look at it. And I wish I'd said, well, that's pretty good. But this morning I was praying and the Holy Spirit was helping me and the Holy Spirit took me by the hand and took me into the very presence of God, the Lord, the sovereign creator and ruler of the universe and said, Father, here is your beloved son, Simon. I wish I'd said that to the guy Instead, I said, can I come and have a look at the plaque and I'll take a photo of it and so on. But it's no less true that God takes us by the hand, God's Spirit, and takes us into the presence of the Father and the Son where we can commune and c- communicate with him. It's what the Spirit does. Prayer is the Spirit of God opening up a conversation with the Father, and God is waiting, and God is listening. The word prayer simply means ask. Every single word for prayer in the Hebrew and the Greek words mean ask, and God says, ask of me. Why don't you come and talk to me? Tell me what's going on. Tell me what you need. You know, God is never too busy for you. God never says not now, come back later. He never says that. He always has time for us. I regret not always being there for my boys when they were growing up. They're men now. For many years I was on the road and I was travelling around teaching and preaching or even if I was home, I wasn't home and fully present. I once said to my boy, Joel, I said, if I could do one thing for you, what would it be? And his answer shocked me, still does. He said, throw away your computer. Even though I was present, I was absent. Even though I was in the room, I was not there with him. I wonder how many times I said to my boy, not now, I'm busy, son. But God never says to us, not now, I'm busy. God puts down what he's doing and turns towards us. In fact, he's so remarkable. He's omnipotent and omniscient and he can keep things spinning. But he's attentive and he's available to us. And through faith in Jesus, when we pray, the Holy Spirit brings us into his throne room. And the father says, hello, son. Hello, daughter. What do you want to talk about? I think we need to reframe our understanding of prayer. We don't pray because we must. We pray because we may. And then secondly, we pray whatever, whenever, and wherever. Paul says in verse 18, pray on all occasions with all kinds of asks, always for all the Lord's people. Four times he says prayer in a different way, pray, 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 pray. And four times he says all, 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 all. Paul uses participles, those words that have kind of ongoing motion to them. We are to keep on praying, praying on all occasions. You know, I've often come across folk who say, well, I I, I do pray now and again. If I go past a church and it's open, sometimes I go in and light a candle. Have you ever heard that? And I think, well, that's good to go into church and light a candle and perhaps say a prayer. But you don't have to go into a church and you don't have to light a candle to be at prayer. And the whole earth is a cathedral to God's glory and his goodness and his presence is everywhere, and we can be offering that prayer as it were. The candle's always lit. The door is always open. His heart is always turned towards us. He is always attentive. Whatever, wherever, whenever, however you feel. Sometimes we think, I can't pray, I'm just too sinful. As I've said, that's when you need. To come and pray and are welcomed by God to come. God's phone is never on silent. I find it really annoying sometimes when I send an email and I get a ping back and it just says, I only answer my emails on Tuesday. <laughs> God doesn't ping back when we pray and say, I'm sorry, I only answer prayers between 10 and 12 on a Sunday if you're at church and if you've had a really perfect week. He never pings it back. He always receives it. Lately we've had bad internet connection here and uh, this week we're switching network provider. I can't wait, my phone will work more work will be coming in. By the Spirit, it's always like 5G with God. It's always four full bars. It's always instant access with him in prayer by the Spirit. And we're to pray widely for all sorts of things. Sometimes we can just sort of end up praying about me and my and I, but we need to learn to pray for for others and one of the things about prayer in the spirit is that it turns us out from ourselves and shows us the needs around us and the spirit wants to join with us in bringing those to God most days I go for a cup of coffee to uh, uh, shop in this town for 20 minutes and I often Try to pray for those who are there. I want to be led to pray for them. Whether it's a student who seems to be stressed working at their laptop or a mother with her infant and she looks exhausted and she's been up all night trying to feed the child or the aggressive businessman as he's demanding to the barista or the lonely lady who's looking at her memories in her coffee cup and so on. We're to pray widely. Any time, any place, anywhere, anything. Prayer is not a mindfulness exercise. Prayer is not meditation. I've already said prayer is asking. Prayer is going into bat for someone else. It's going into battle for someone else. It's bringing them before God by the Spirit and saying, Father, I... Can, can you deal with something here, please? The former Archbishop of a different generation, William Temple, once said, when I pray, coincidences happen. God is the God who answers prayer. You know, a few years ago, I was struggling with prayer. I often struggle with prayer, as I've already said. There are seasons when I feel free and I'm on it, and other when it's just hard work. Uh, But prayer had become rather mechanical and professional, and it was more of a must than a may. And so I went back to basics and I went and bought an orange book, a little orange book. And uh, I I divided up each page and um, I wrote, on the one hand, you know prayer requests and i wrote the time and the day and what it was in shorthand and then i prayed and i'd keep praying through these these things that the lord put on my heart i'd say lord show me who i should pray for what i should pray for and then i'd write it down and then over the weeks and over the months i would write in when the prayer was answered it was remarkable i don't want to exaggerate but about 80% of those things were answered within a short period of time. People who I never even knew I'd feel led to pray for. And remarkably, I mean, one of them who's now a friend uh, wrote to me yesterday from Germany. I was just, I didn't know them, but I saw them in a coffee shop and I began to pray for them every day. And then they approached me and a friendship developed in the orange book. And then I mentioned it once and people would come up to me and say, could I be in your orange book? Anyway, COVID came and the orange book was put aside, but I have now bought a new one. I've gone purple, Episcopal. I want to encourage you try it. You might like it. God is listening and he's waiting to answer. And then, thirdly, (coughs) we need to pray for people to meet Jesus. Paul says, verse 19, pray for me that words may be given to me to fearlessly declare the mystery of the gospel. It remains a mystery, but give me power. Pray that I can have power, says Paul, to communicate this good news of the love of God revealed in the Son of God uh, preeminently in the death of the Son of God at Calvary who died for our sins and rose again because his death was sufficient and acceptable and ascended into heaven. And when we trust in him, we'll know the forgiveness that the cross wins and we'll know an eternal life that his resurrection wins for us. The greatest blessing for anyone, the greatest prayer you can pray for anyone is that they will know the gospel. And through the gospel, enter into a relationship with God through Jesus. We're going to have a baptism this evening. 11 people will be baptised, all of whom will testify that they've met Jesus through this good news. (laughs) He's turned their life around. In front of hundreds of people, they're going to testify to it. Paul says, pray for me. It's amazing, really. Some traditions think that the lesser... A uh, spiritual person is to receive prayer from the greater. And so they, they go to Mary, or they go to the saints for prayer, or they might even go to the odd vicar or two. But they want to get to be prayed for by someone who they perceive to be more spiritual. But here's the Apostle Paul, he founded the church, he introduced them to Jesus Christ, and he's asking for their prayers. Why? Because the effectiveness of prayer is not based upon your spiritual hierarchical standing because God listens to everyone's prayer. Paul knew that. And he said, will you pray for me that I can share about Jesus boldly and that people can meet him? And you know what? Their prayers worked because in a later letter to the Philippians, Paul says that he's in jail And then he gives this little comment in chapter 4, verse 22. He says, All the saints greet you and those in Caesar's household. And Paul had been in chains. He's chained against a Roman, he's in a Roman jail, and uh, he's asking for prayer that he can witness even there. He's not bitter, he's not resentful. And he's not praying to be released from his chains and get out. He's just praying that he, despite his situation and confines, can talk about Jesus and can introduce people to Jesus so that they can be blessed by God. And it's effective. Maybe the actual Roman soldier he's chained to, he just went on all the time to him about the Lord. And finally, this Roman soldier thinks, who is this remarkable man? This is someone who knows God and through him came to him. Maybe it was the jailer and his family. We don't know. We certainly know there were nobles, people of Caesar's household. I've been reading a journal by George Fox from the 17th century, founder of Quakerism. And he was often imprisoned for his faith and preaching the gospel. And he said this, there were never any prisons that I was in, but it was for bringing more out of prison you would go to prison and preach the gospel there and bring people out of prison. We're to be wide in our prayers and we're to pray for people to meet Jesus. Pray for our friends. Pray for our family members. Pray for those and then invite them to church events or an alpha invite. You know, I'm a Christian because someone prayed for me. And you're a Christian because someone prayed for you. I shared the other day here, a couple of weeks ago, about my journey to become a Christian. And I mentioned how on one night in a pub, I went up to a girl and I, I, I didn't know her. And I said, you know, do you want to come with me? I'll show you the way to heaven. And she just looked at me as, like, as if I was some sort of pathetic thing. And she said, you need God. I thought, what? What? it's Friday night Uh, and I I was really troubled by that. I I left the pub and I just, uh, it really got inside my head. I thought I do need God but I I wasn't for following him then and other things happened. Anyway, around that same time, uh, after work I was working as a butcher and I would often go to a pool club after work and I'd be playing pool and there was a guy who was always there, an older man. and he, he, I, I liked him. I respected him. He was an ambulance driver and he was a, he was a decent guy. One day he said, Hey, we're, I'm getting a few lads at my house. I wonder if you want to come. I said, uh, Oh, sure. I thought it was for a drink and, you know, I don't know what. I said, What are we going to do? He said, We're going to talk about God and life. And I, What? He said, Yeah, I'm going to look at the Bible. I thought, No, thank you. I thought, Are you nuts? But it was just another incident where I felt God was knocking on the door of my life. Anyway, again, at the same time, I was working in <laughs> Nails' Ears a Butcher. And I'd often see this woman, a young woman, um, and she would sort of smile at me and, you know, nod. And I'd think, I think she likes me. <laughs> Maybe she fancies me. Anyway, within a short while, I walked into a church and heard the gospel preached, heard about the invitation to come home, to come to God, to know forgiveness, to be restored through what Jesus did at the cross for me. And at the end, there was an invitation and I went forward and I responded. And I I said, God, forgive me and clean me up and come into my life. Anyway, when I got up and turned around, the girl from the pub, was sat there on the right-hand side. And behind her was the ambulance driver and his wife, who was that woman who kept smiling at me. And I subsequently found every week they prayed for this ruffian butcher called Simon down in the West Country. Our prayers have power. Our prayers have power. And I want to encourage you to keep praying that God would give others and God would give you the opportunity and the boldness to talk about his love to others who are desperate to meet with God. Amen.